Welcome back to another episode of Words and Wisdom Wednesday, where we talk about the ahadith which are contained in Musnad al Shihab, the collection of ahadith by an Imam al Qudai in which he collected very short, pithy, succinct hadith. The second hadith that we want to talk about is the Prophet ﷺ's statement, Al-Majalis Bil-Amana, that sittings are entrusted or sittings are held to trust. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Well, let's look at the words, Al-Majalis. This is the plural of a word, Majlis. Majlis meaning a sitting or a place of sitting. Essentially a meeting place where one is in uh, a private setting with others. Bil amana are to be held to a standard of amana, a standard of trust. What this hadith indicates is that everything that happens in a private setting, statements, actions, is held to a standard of trust and confidentiality that must be respected by all parties, whoever hears something, whoever sees something, it's not for them to go and spread that information to others. And if you think about it, then this uh, this statement of the Prophet is a preemptive, proactive measure to stop the evils of ghibah and namima, as we know. Uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells of the evils of backbiting. Would one of you love to devour the flesh of his dead brother? You would dislike that. So how do you stop getting to the point of riba? Uh, how do you stop getting to the point to, to the point of nanima of spreading tales? How do you stop getting to the even worse point of Bhutan, where you are concocting lies or half-truths against other people, as is found in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, when he was asked about saying something about a person which is true, but he dislikes it, he said that, uh, If you do this, then you have made riba of him, you have backbit him. And if it's not true, Then you have slandered him. You have maligned him. So this hadith shows us that if we want to cut off these evils of slander, of half-truths, of backbiting and, 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 and tail-carrying, that we respect the privacy and confidentiality of those things that happen in front of us. And this is even, uh, even more... Uh, this is even more expected of those who are not merely friends or relatives, but those among us who sit in positions of power, positions of authority, positions of nus, of advice and, uh, and, and counsel, where the expectation is that you are divulging information to them so that they may advise you of the proper course of action. 
that you don't go and tell of secret details of your life. And if you do, you do so only to someone who can be trusted. In fact, in several ahadith, the Prophet ﷺ forbade us from divulging the details of our private lives uh, in front of people. Um, you know, then when he said that, you know, when, when a person who uh, talks about their sex life with their spouse in front of other people, it's like a, you know, shaitan, laqiya shaitanatan fit tariq. It's like a, you know, a Satan, you know, that met a Sataness, if that's even a word, in the street to the end of the hadith. I don't remember the, the exact uh, phrase of the hadith. And as we've said in the other episodes that have preceded this um, these are done on the fly I'm not necessarily going back and, and, and scripting these but simply riffing on the meanings of the ahadith that are presented so a person who is an imam a person who is a counselor a person who is a therapist a person who is a religious advisor a person who is a doctor a person who is financial advisor, whatever it is that they are doing, they are held to a higher standard of confidentiality and non-disclosure. And this is why I have to reiterate the importance of anyone who goes into business dealings, anyone, you know, if you go into business dealings, then you're going to need a non-disclosure agreement. If you're going to go into therapy or counseling or mediation there needs to be some type of agreement that talks about the relationship that's being created and the idea of writing down the relationships that we created the longest verse of the quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says oh you who believe if you are going to take upon debt between yourselves to a known or for a known tenor, then write it down. And so Ibn Abbas commented on the verse, this verse. He said that this verse is, you know, the, the, the fundamental verse for all forms of deferred payments. But what's the bigger point here? The bigger point here is that if you're going to go into some kind of mutual agreement with somebody and you're going to become indebted to each other, then you need to write that down. And that not only encompasses financial dealings, but social dealings. Because when you tell your secrets to another person, you become indebted to them. You know, they say, you know, when you, when you keep a secret, then it is your prisoner. But when you, when you announce a secret, then, then you become its prisoner. And it's therefore extremely important for us to know the ethical boundaries of not only engaging therapists and counselors and advisors, but also the ethical boundaries of therapists, counselors, and advisors working within the community. It is completely, it is completely unacceptable for a person to promote themselves in front of the community as an advisor of some sort and for you to speak them to them in trust and then for them to later come and say actually you know uh i never i never meant to be uh, an advisor to you i i was just trying to be a shoulder you could cry on no if you if you're the expectation of you in the community 
is that you are fulfilling a religious obligation or a social obligation or some type of role, then you have to separate that from your personal role. And when you refuse to do so, you become yourself uh, someone who has to be doubted as to what exactly you're doing. For example, uh, the Prophet ﷺ once sent the people out to collect the zakat. The hadith is in the Sunan. A man by the name of Ibn al-Lutbiyya uh, had went out to collect zakat. And he came back and he gave the Prophet ﷺ the, the wealth from zakat, the gold, the silver, the sheep, the goats, the things that he had collected. And he had a small calf. And he said, This is the wealth that's for you all. And this, this was given to me as a gift. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Why didn't he go and sit in his mother or his father's house and see if this gift was going to be given to him? So there's a few things going on. The hadith number one is that the those who are entrusted to public positions are to operate for the benefit of those public positions alone, not their personal benefit. Number two, it's the prevention of kickbacks. Number three, that unless you can separate between what you do as a public servant and what you do as a private citizen, then you have to abstain from that role. This is why in our Islamic legal corpus and our Islamic legal history, in Bab al-Qadha, in the chapters on adjudication, the laws of the courts, scholars often talked about, can a judge rightfully adjudicate a case by his own knowledge? Meaning that, let's say he's a, he's a judge in a neighborhood, and he knows everybody in the neighborhood. And a case is brought to him that he has, uh, that he has detailed knowledge of, or let's say he has general knowledge of. Is it, is it appropriate for him to adjudicate that case or must he recuse himself from that? Is it appropriate for him, this is another issue, is it appropriate for a judge to receive gifts from people that are in his jurisdiction or must he reject them? Why? Because if he accepts them, then he might become suspect and be susceptible to bribery. And if he rejects them, then he might destroy the good relations that he had with the community before that. So the compromise was that a judge, if he was known to have friendships and connections with people before his appointment, then he can accept gifts from them. And if he was not known to have such, then he cannot. Because in the first instance... His best friend from growing up that was always coming and, you know, he was buying him dinner and he was buying him dinner and so on and so forth, then that's considered a custom that preceded his appointment and isn't acceptable. And the person who comes and tries to buy him dinner after his judicial appointment is possibly trying to buy his favor. Now, what happens in the case? When the person who knows him from before his judicial appointment wants to buy him dinner, but instead of taking him to Chick-fil-A, he wants to take him to Fogo de Chao, right? He wants to take him from a fast food restaurant to uh, a fancy, you know, five-star restaurant. What's that case? Well, in that case, scholars said, we treat him like the person who tries to buy him something 
after his appointment. Why? Because now we know that this increase of interest and this increase of what he would call karam, generosity, is uh, there has some ulterior motive to it. Okay, so the point here is al-majalisu bil-amana, our sittings are, are to be held in trust. When you place yourself as a friend or a family member in a setting, then what is said or done therein must be held in trust, and you must not go and divulge that to anyone. Because doing so is a form of backbiting, and there are only certain types of backbiting which is allowed. And those types of backbiting are things uh, that would essentially, uh, and Imam Nawawi has talked about them in Riyal Salihin, I think everybody can go and check out the six types of backbiting that are allowed um, at that time. And if you are, now that is if you are a friend or a family member, that's the expectation of you. If you are a community servant, a public servant, you are no longer held to the standard of the private citizen. You are held to a higher standard. And that is that you must separate your private life from your public life and not allow anything that would come in to impugn your ability to be objective. And the greatest thing that would impugn your objectivity and your the trust that the public has in you is for you to divulge things that were told to you in confidence and with the expectation that you were going to keep them quiet, which is why the Prophet ﷺ told us about our dreams. Uh, you know that we should not, uh, we should not divulge our dreams, illa uh, If I remember the hadith correctly, we don't divulge them except to a good friend or a true, uh, a sincere advisor. So, al majalis bil amana, our settings are held uh, in confidence; they are held in trust. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَخُونُوا اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَتَخُونُوا أَمَانَاتِكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ O you who believe, do not deceive and betray Allah and His Messenger and betray your trusts while you have full knowledge thereof. This was the second hadith and thank you for listening for Words and Wisdom Wednesday. See you next Wednesday for more. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد